We bless you, Lord Jesus, for your character. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of salvation. We thank you, Lord, that we can gather here today and exalt your name, worthy to be praised. And I pray, Lord, that for every one of us gathered, that you will come and meet with us. Come and encourage us. Come and speak to us. Come and wrap your arms around us and be with us. We thank you, Lord, for your love and for your grace. Father, we look towards the Christmas season and we look towards uh, living nativity and reaching out into our community. And we pray that in this site, in this building, through this event, that the glory and the presence of the Holy Spirit will be upon us. We pray, Lord, that people will be presented with the, the good news, the good news of Christ born in Bethlehem, Emmanuel, God with us. We pray, Lord, that you'll draw people back. We pray that those that have been distant from you will come home. We pray for those, Lord, that are, have no faith will discover the wonder of a relationship with you. Holy Spirit, the great evangelist, we invite you to come over these weeks and do your work, we ask in Jesus' name. Come and speak and draw people, we ask. We thank you for this opportunity. In the name of Christ, amen. Amen. Well, good morning. If you're a young person, there you can go with uh, uh, Bella and, um, and Jonah. Jonah. Oh, there he is. Jonah, you, you, sometimes he goes invisible. He's got a gift. Um, it's amazing. He did it the other day, didn't he? Like we were going, where's Jonah in the staff meeting? And he was stood right there. We're like, oh, there you are, Jonah. Well, we're in the book of James, and uh, we uh, are moving forward, and we're chapter two, and we continue our journey through the teaching of, of Pastor James as he's working. I hope you're being encouraged. I hope you're growing in your faith. It's been challenged last week, you know, particularly challenging in terms of our commitment and our willingness to not favor those to treat people with that distinction of the Imago Deo, the mark of God that is within each one of us. It is amazing. And Pastor James speaks to us through the echoes of history as he comes and makes these points so clear. These were critical points he wanted to make to small churches and the church in Jerusalem and the churches that had been the, uh, spread and dispersed around. The, uh, and it was powerful to see um, the kind of things he's saying to these communities like ourselves. Here, church, in the middle of a Roman Empire, in the middle of, of difficult times, in the middle of challenging, he encourages the church to live a different life and be remarkable and be be incredible. And I do pray that as a church, we will continue to be fruitful, even though the spiritual attack is there, even though uh, cultural shifts are taking place, even though 
things we'd never imagine in our culture are becoming part of our culture. This is where the church thrives. The church should thrive in the heart of cultural shift. The church has always thrived on the edge of society. It's always thrived as we keep to the word of God, even though the empires that come and the empires that leave and the changing of the nations and the shifting of the sea, there is only one Lord God and he is over all. He is sovereign. He is king. And this is what James so wants them to understand. He doesn't want them to be nominal. He doesn't want them to be, to be light in their faith. And he's concerned about the light, that they would be, have a kind of a light approach here. So he says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But some will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do. Well, even the demons believe and shudder. Oh, honestly, what a way to finish that text. Even the demons believe and shudder. And I've got to get to that verse because it is a gorgeous verse um, in terms of what he's actually saying and the way that he's talking to us. But let's begin our journey this morning here in verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if some say he has faith but does not have works? And can that faith save him? Suddenly we're we're in a moment of, of evangelical conflict in our brains. If you've been brought up in church and you've been brought up uh, preaching a gospel uh, of faith, uh, a gospel of salvation by faith alone, suddenly our minds go, well, what does this mean about works? On one side, we have faith and we have grace. On the other side, we have works. We've always preached works do not save you. You cannot work yourself into the kingdom of God. And here James is saying, you've got to work because faith without works is no faith at all. And so there's this, this rhetorical question, a brilliant piece of writing here in the kind of Greek style of being rhetorical and asking the question, what good is it, my brothers? If some say he has faith but does not have works, what good are you? If you have faith but you don't do anything, Well, are you really saved then? Are you really saved at this moment? If you say, yes, I have faith, but you do nothing with that faith, you are unactive, you are uninvolved, you are lying back, as it were, and say he has faith, but he does not work, question mark. Can that faith save him? 
And suddenly you got Martin Luther, the grumpy German theologian reformer of, um, of 1522. You can feel him bristling. And in fact, in his, in his commentary on James, he wrote a little bit of a, a, an interesting intro all those years ago. He wrote about how James is the little bit of the straw man uh, epistle. He was not very impressed with some of James. And he would, he, would, he would bristle against the idea of any sort of works. And he was reacting, of course, to the Roman uh, Catholic Church that, that, that ruled religiously over the whole of Europe. And the corruption that you could buy your salvation, you could work your salvation, you could do this to gain that. If you, if you gave money to your bishops and to your pastors and they would, they would solve your sins. And if you did this, and this was the way, and it was the culture had become so religious, so formalized, that they had forgotten faith and the intimate relationship that Jesus Christ came to save our souls. So you could buy your way to heaven. And honestly, it's, it's shocking to think about that, isn't it? that you could buy your way, that you could, you could purchase a place, or you could purchase people out of purgatory. And because we don't believe in purgatory, man is once to die and then the judgment. And so, so you could buy yourself up so you could upgrade your relatives by giving money to your bishops. Uh, it's amazing and a nice little business going on there in the Roman Empire. And if any of you feel the need, I can pray for your relatives. Uh, no, um, for the easy price of, um, of $500. Uh, what, what good is it? No, it's no good, he's saying. It's not. Now, let's understand it because we know what Paul taught, that we are justified by faith. And so we understand that. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Ooh, okay, thanks James. Now the evangelicals amongst us and of course are bristling a little bit. And then, and then Paul says, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from works of the law. Okay, so what is happening in this text and what is he actually saying? What is actually being communicated here is that Paul is saying that before you become a Christian, of which James agrees, that before you become a Christian, your works are useless because the only way you can experience salvation is by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not by works. It's not by what we do. It's not by being religious. It's not by following process. It's not by following these certain rituals. We cannot be saved. We can work and work and work, but our faith is not about works. Our faith to become a Christian is about believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's the fact. So Paul teaches this is the way to salvation and James teaches that once you are born again by faith, then you do the works. Then you start to change the world. 
then things start to happen. And you don't do the works because of gaining salvation. You do the works because when you've experienced the greatest gift in the world, which is salvation, then boy, we want to bring a difference to this world because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the Savior of the world. So we have this often a misconception that Paul denies any efficiency to pre-conversion works, but James is pleading for absolute necessity of post-conversion works. So don't get saved and do nothing. Become a Christian, be born again, experience faith, and get saved, and then make your Christian life count because what James is fighting against is any idea that that our faith should be light. He's fighting against light faith. He's fighting, fighting against that we become a Christian and we do absolutely nothing with our Christianity. And he wants us to do something. He wants the churches in this region, this desperate group, he wants them to witness. He wants them to love each other. He wants them to engage. He wants them to make a difference because if you have faith, but it doesn't turn into anything else, it's literally your impact to the world is dead And actually, spiritually, you start to die because you are not living out in an active way your Christian faith. And he uses then, having used the rhetorical question in that Greek manner, uh, James was fighting against light faith. I've just preached this. It's good because I wrote it. That minimizes the necessity of work after coming to Christ. Paul says works cannot bring us to Christ. James says after we come to Christ, they are imperative for our Christian life. So the illustration comes, 15 to 17. James likes these little illustrations. I like it as well. I like illustrations. And and if a brother or a sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you say to them, go in peace, Be warm and filled without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself. If it does not have works, it's dead. You have in the church, in our communities, we sit around and there are the wealthy and those who are poor. There are those that need support and need help. And, and he's saying to you, when you see somebody there sat around the Lord's table and is there and you have compassion for them, but your compassion has to be joined with action. So if, so if there's need in the body, if there's need in the church, if there's need amongst our congregation, and that's why it's so important to know the congregation. That's why it's so important that we connect together. We get to know each other through volunteering at, at, a, at something called living nativity. Uh, we, we get opportunity to support. We know each other's stories. I obviously know, after 14 years, a lot more stories than I ever would have imagined. And the more I know more stories, the more blessed I am as a pastor to be able to know your struggles, your journeys, and perhaps even how we can help as a church. 
We have a caring commission that we use all the time for families in the church, for, for supporting families, to bringing families. And it's no secret that, you know, as church members and people go through difficult times and they find themselves sitting there in church and, and they are poorly clothed and lacking daily food and one and are their part of our family. And, and as Christians, um, you know, they attend our church. They're part of our life. We love them. It's not about favoritism. But then, then we see the need and we do nothing. And we go, thanks for coming to church. Go in peace. I'm on the front of the steps saying hello to everybody. And may you be warm and filled as you go off. That's what he's saying. That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. I have to be willing. You know, we, we stepped in with, um, as many of you know, and uh, I had the family's permission with the journey with Tristan and his, uh, his death. Uh, the church stepped in heavily to support, to be involved, to offer resources and what we have, what we can do to help, you know, that after that dear young man's uh, death. And we're praying for justice. We're praying for the family. We're praying as it goes, his journey goes through that court process. But we, we, we stood with the family and we keep standing and we keep praying, right? It hurts us to read and to know the story, but we are called to stand in the midst of each other's pain and not just say, I'm sorry, we're praying for you. Have a good time. Be blessed. Amen. And put that little face that we put on. You know, that little, that little spiritual face that we do. Hmm. Have you ever seen that spiritual face? Hmm. James doesn't want you to go, hmm. He wants you to actually do something. He wants you to ask the questions, what can we do? He wants you to ask the questions, what difference can we make? He wants compassion and action at work. He doesn't want light. He wants dedication. My daughter, Bella, she's gone now with the youth. She said to me the other day, she said, Dad, uh, I'm doing, a, there's this thing called a 75-day challenge. Do you want to do it with me? I said, yeah. What is it? And she goes, it's uh, like we exercise for an hour and a half a day, okay? And we drink three liters of water a day, okay? And we read at least 12 pages a day. Well, I'd probably do that easily. But yes, okay. So I've got exercise. I go to, and you eat. You have no toxins. And you eat really, really, really well. I was like, okay. Okay, and no, so no, no cookies, uh, and no, and none. And by the way, you know, I know some of you love to drop off cookies for the staff over Christmas. Sneak them in. <laughs> Honestly, some of that shortbread that has been made. Ooh, yeah, I don't know whether it's allowed or not, but the Lord says, "Go pass it by." It's still allowed. Thank you, Pastor Zach. You know, because you've got to eat healthily. You've got to do this, and we do it every day, and we keep going. It changes the lives. I said, it's great. He said, but she says, we've decided to do it light. I said, oh, great. I was relieved. 
what do you mean light? Well, we'll just exercise for 45 minutes a day. And we'll do it for 40 days up until Christmas. And, <laughs> and I, said, um, I said, okay, well, I always exercise for an hour a day anyway. But sure, we'll do it light. And, and then we can have some cheat days. And we can have a rest day. And, uh, but you've got to drink uh, three liters of water a day. I can tell you something. That is the hardest thing to drink three. I'm carrying a bottle around. I could never do it. But <laughs> and at the end of it, I'm sort of doing exactly what I've always do anyway. I'm doing it light. And, 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 and James is throwing down a challenge to us. He's saying, don't let your faith just be light. Let it be intentional. Let it, let's go for it. Let's do it. Let's step into it. And let's ask the Lord how we can do works that will bless others when those things appear to us and are present and we see the need that makes a difference. And so he gives this powerful illustration of perhaps something is seen or generalization or something that happens. James properly asks, what good is that? The only answer being none at all. It's no good. It's none at all. And then we get the, it is not only the outwardly dead, but inwardly dead totally lifeless and useless if all we do is give words. True faith requires compassion and action. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Right from 1 John, there speaking about this. You have faith, I have works, verse 18. They, they split this verse into two. There's this person that kind of uh, talks. Uh, he... Uh, he uses this objector in the narrative, and the objector comes in, in this little uh, way it's constructed and goes, well, you know, let's think this through. Uh, you have faith, and I have works, so that's okay. Let's, um, let's just do that. Uh, let's live, you be you, and I'll be me. And let's just live that way. And if I just want to do faith, and I want to be theological, and I want to live in my theological ivory tower, and I have faith, I do, I read, I do this, and it's fine, I'm me, I am that, that theological faith thinker. I don't really get my hands dirty, I don't get involved, I don't do that, I just critique, I just think about theology. And if you want to do the works, you go on and do the works then, he says. But as a, here is the one who claims to have faith. And another who points to his deeds. And, and he's saying, don't divide this. Don't divide it. Realize that your faith leads to action. And your faith leads, don't do Christianity light. 
Don't just do what you're doing anyway, like I'm doing what I'm doing anyway, and I'm joining in. I'm even, we've got a spreadsheet. I'm ticking. I'm ticking what I do anyway. I'm not really changing anything about what I do anyway. I'm doing it light until January. And then I'm going to do it hard. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. He answers quick. You know, you show your faith and you do no works. I will show you my faith by my works, by my actions. Jesus agreed with this. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields it in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and in another thirty. We, when we're inactive, we don't bear the fruit that God is calling us to bear in our lives. And, and you've got to sense what the Holy Spirit is saying to you about the body. You know, um, at the end of the great Sermon on the Mount, Jesus turned and said, I will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from the thorn bush or figs from the thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. God will judge us for our fruits. Let us keep loving. Let us keep believing. Going back to the text true belief. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. I want to remind you, he's probably saying, is that there may be atheists in the world and, you know, the demonic realm do not mind atheistic, humanistic thinking. You know, humanism is, is been with us for decades, for years, for a century as it's been working away at us. And even today in Canada, the humanistic society have their sights on the six areas in society where we still have public prayer, where they want to eliminate public prayer from those areas. And we live in that time. And, and really, the demonic doesn't mind that. Um, likes it. You know, there is many a dead atheist where, as it were, the demons have walked across those graves. They don't mind that. It's there. But what, and they know the theology. You know, uh, the spiritual realm and the demonic realm are not atheists. 
They know uh, the triune God. They know the story of the kingdom. They probably have an understanding of theology far better than we have a study of theology, as C.S. Lewis wrote in the Screwtape Letters, a brilliant uh, story and, and well worth reading. You believe that, uh, that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder at that. And shudder. And that literally, that word shudder is the Greek word to describe when a cat is absolutely afraid and reacts. Any cat people here? Yeah? Yeah? I, 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 I've never... I, I, I know my predecessor, Pastor, he used to tell jokes about cats and he wasn't really into them. I'm, he would two things. He wasn't into cats and he wasn't into um, fruitcake. Um, and, and I love fruitcake. So, uh, amen. Uh, but, and also, you know, cats. But, but I, we had a COVID cat. Uh, one of the, my daughters brought a PowerPoint presentation, and I'd always been allergic to cats since the kids came and they could talk. And so can we have a cat? No, I'm allergic. I honestly thought I was allergic. Honestly, they think, and, and in COVID, we had this kitten. <sighs> Love my cat. Cutest. Brilliant. It's like living with a, with a monk. Um, just sits around and contemplates and looks just there, just like living with Francis of Assisi, just so perfect. And then, then it kills mice and brings them to you, which Francis wouldn't do. Uh, but, but, but we now have a new puppy because our dog passed away in May. And now we've got this puppy and this puppy loves the cat. And every time the cat, uh, puppy comes towards the cat, recently, the cat's like, <laughs> shaken. <sighs> and the puppy's like, <laughs> I love you. You must be my mom. I've been looking for you. Let me jump on you. And now they're friends after, I don't know, 10. I mean, the puppy's only 12 weeks old or, or 10 weeks old. And now it just follows the cat everywhere. But that moment when you sat in the room, you hear the cat go. <laughs> this is the Greek word here. This is exactly what happens when, when the demonic powers are faced by a church that believes and has faith but also does and follows it through. And we are active. We are committed. We are with each other. We hold each other. We pray for each other. We support each other through tough times. We become a loving community. And they will know that we are Christians by our love. We are praying. We are serving. We are volunteering. We are doing. We are contending. We are believing. And when we live like this, the powers of darkness simply go in the Greek word, can't stand Christians that believe the word of God and do the word of God. Can't stand them. They are a pain when we actually do and believe. 
And so, James says there, shudder, literally bristle up like a frightened cat. So when you do good, you are bristling up the powers of darkness. And you are making a difference in this world when you pray, do good. I need some more water now. So important. So the word now judges us. Judges me. Works in my heart. And I go, okay. How I treat people at work. What I do to help people. There's teachers here that, that don't just teach, but they really do good in the lives of their pupils. They advocate for them. They work with them. There are people here that, that help in so many different ways. There are teams of intercessors that pray for the needs of Canada. You're doing good works. People that volunteer men's night tomorrow night. All they're going to be talking about is eating pizza and, and how they can prepare and help to welcome the community. And we, all of our doing is full of faith and response. Pastor Aldham said to me, he said, I don't want to be, um, if you don't know Pastor Aldham, he's been a pastor for like a 120 years. And, um, and he's like... Um, he said, like, I don't want to be that retired pastor that tells you what to do, Pastor Phil. I said, okay then. But let me tell you something. <laughs> I love him to bits. But he said, you know, it's good to get the body praying now for who they're going to invite to living nativity. What actions are we going to take? Let's believe as a church over the next weeks so as um, we come to sing our final song, I got these vases. I knew I didn't, I kept them in my garage for years. And I thought, oh, I do have some. He said, get some vases. And, and as we worship at the end and finish, people can come forward and write down the names of their loved ones and their prodigals and the ones they care for. And put them into the vases. And we can as a church pray for all these names. Pray for these neighbors. Pray for these people. Pray that God will work. As a response. That we're engaging in mission with living nativity. We're not just depending upon its 32 year history. We are depending upon our prayers and our invitations and our time to connect community. So maybe there's people. Um, so as we close, let's worship, final song. And let's keep the word of God clear in our minds. And, and let's be open to the Lord about how we serve one another and care for one another who are different in our own faith community and who are struggling and are going through the hardest times. I find it incredible in my job as a pastor 
the amount of people that I spend time with who have come with emotionally no clothes and no food and sit with them and be present and pray. And, and I rejoice in that, but I rejoice that all of you are involved in that kind of action, being good to people that come across your path and connecting. And we have a chance at our fellowship meal now when we, before our AGM, which you're very welcome to come to and have some food and hear about the church business. But as we finish now, we're going to open the front and you come. Write down, if you've got a pen that would help. There are three pens here, but my... There's, there's pens and papers on. Oh, gosh, you are so organized. I love him. Wow, he's good, isn't he, Manukia? He's great. That's, that's his wife. Um, not, there's somebody sitting on the front row. Let's pray. What a lovely thing it is to be in the body together, Lord. To unpack Scripture to really grapple with it. And it, it works in my heart, Lord. And I pray that, I thank you that I've been justified by faith the day I bowed my knee to Jesus. But now, Lord, I want my faith to not be dead. I want it to be alive in doing good things. And we pray for these names, people, now that you will speak to us and help us. And we will pray for these vases over these weeks that these people will come to Christ and find your love. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Let's stand together. We'll sing together.